listening to Life in Limbo, a podcast about building a life you love on the foundation of what's most important to you. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and each week I'll be chatting with an interesting person or sharing my own reflections on how we can stay connected to our personal values, measure what matters most to us, listen to our own voices, and build a life we love. This week on the podcast, I'm talking to my friend Catherine Bondi about the art of noticing and how it impacts her creative process. Let's go. Hi, Catherine. Hi. How are you? Oh my God, good. How are you? Good. Thank you for being here in my house and it's talking so to me. It's so cute in here. <laughs> Thanks. I love it. <laughs> um, I have been wanting to talk to you for a while. Like, I think when I first decided to start the podcast, I made a short list of everybody that I would want to talk to. Mm-hmm. You were definitely on the first short list. Oh my God. I've yeah. like never been shortlisted for anything in my entire <laughs> life. This is the only short list that matters. It's probably not true. Like, you're in high demand (laughs) with publications like Food and Wine Magazine, etc. Yeah, I guess you're right. Anyway. um, So yeah, so it's a dream come true because it's just fun. You're cute. You're cute. Oh my god. Um, My working title for this episode that could change based on the contents of this conversation, Mm -hmm. but the title I was thinking about was Catherine Bondi. Oh my god. I love it already. <laughs> and the art of noticing. Oh. What do you think about that? I think that's really nice. You know what? That's perfect. It's funny because I was literally today, like earlier today, um, writing, well, trying to write, like the welcome email for my subscriber list, mm. like the very first email that you get. And I was sitting at my desk and I was just like, ah, what the fuck am I going to say? Like, right. What's the first thing you say? Well, you have so many things you want to say. Yeah. So, um, it somehow ended up being related to, like, the, uh, like, the act of noticing. Oh, really? This is very fortuitous. Wow. Yeah. So, I think, I I think you should choose that. It's fortuitous, but also, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Obviously, like, this is just, it's, it's, both of those things are about you, and they're coming from you, or Mm -hmm. reflections of you. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think... We, when we originally met, that was something that I was really struck by, was this attention to detail that you have mm-hmm. in a lot of areas of your life, but primarily in your art and the work that you make. Yeah. Um, so why don't we start there? Why don't we start by you telling everybody a little bit about who you are, <laughs> what you do, what makes you so incredible? Well, um, so I am a... I, I don't really know what the title is. That's Everybody also something hates this I'm question. I, it's not that I hate it. It's that I'm just like, I really wish that I had something really cool and quippy that like, like a prepared thing. Because every time I answer this question, it starts out in the way that it's starting right now. It's just like, how do I describe this? And I never know. I'm like, I'm a florist, but that doesn't quite, that's no. not like enough. Like that bracket isn't wide enough. So then I sort of think about it and I'm like, well, flowers are my whole life and it's, that's kind of it. So I'm an artist and flowers are my medium. So Mm. I am like a a floral designer um, and I work with a few wedding studios in the city. Um, But I do that sort of like very infrequently Um, and then the rest of my time is spent in my own studio making paper flowers. So I'm still, flowers, I'm I'm touching them all the time. (laughs) In one way or another. I'm touching them, they're touching me. Oh! (laughs) 
They're touching others. The one-liners are starting (laughs) early, folks. It's just a a real touching party. Yeah. (laughs) High-touch situation. Yeah, yeah, very sensory. Um... That's really cool. And I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to make you tell me again anyway. Yeah, that's fine. Which came first? The paper flowers or the real flowers? The paper did. The paper came first. Yeah. Really? The real flowers actually just came about as a way to, like, um, supplement my income. So, the reaching further back in time, um, I was a... Uh, the store artist for anthropology for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first like real job that I got. Right. Um, and you were making <clears throat> like the displays. Yes. So I worked there for six years, and uh, so I was the the title there is called display coordinator. So um, and there was when I was still there, there was basically one of me at every store. So there's um, all the displays in anthropology are all made by hand, wow. which people actually didn't know. And that shocked me because I was like, how can you not know (laughs) that I've been slaving away in this basement art room that's like covered in sawdust for weeks now (laughs) trying to make this beautiful thing for you? Like, what, how, like, how else was it supposed to happen? Wow. Like a single person could make this. Wow. Um, so that was amazing to me that like the environment was just so, uh, like complete that the that like the evidence of how it actually came to be was not quite mm. clear. So that was so that was my first real job like as an artist. I went to OCAD. I studied art criticism and curating because I didn't really know. Well, I mean, I wasn't really clear on my identity as an artist in the sense of like I didn't really know what kind of work I wanted to make. I just knew that I liked to make a lot of different things and I also loved art. It was the only thing I knew and it was the only thing that I was any good at and the only thing that made me feel like I understood, like, my place in the world. Um, but I also have a Virgo rising and my son is in Taurus, <laughs> so practicality is, like, my game. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to beat the system. I'm going to go to art school and leave with the job. <laughs> so I thought that I would, like, I don't know, run this, like, major cultural institution. I had, like, set the bar very high for myself. And I graduated, you graduate university and you're, like, 18 years old or however, you're 15 years old or you're a child still. (laughs) No one's going to give you a job. No one cares what you think. You're a child. I had to learn that lesson in a very real way. Mm. (laughs) So anyway, so... Anthropology ended up kind of springing out of that. The first store opened in Canada and I had always loved it. And then it was kind of the same narrative. I was like, I'm going to get a real job, like, as an artist. And was merchandising there for a couple years. But that was where I really learned more about myself as an artist than at OCAD. I was Hmm. a little bit older, I think. But it's, like, artist boot camp there. Like, it's intense. Like, it's every two weeks is a new project, new materials. You're doing it pretty much all on your own. The displays change that often? Yeah. Wow. It's wild. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And are you getting a vision from somebody higher up telling you what the vision kind of should be? Yeah, so when I was still there, there was like a, a, a prototype team at home office and there were concepts that rolled out. Like the whole store changed twice a year. And then the front area of the store changed, I think, four times a year. And then we had to do, I think, when I was still there, we were doing seven window displays a year. Wow. So if you break that down, like... 
production time, prep time, planning time, and then install time, it ends up working out to be a new thing like every two weeks or so. Wow. It was intense. So that's why I describe it as artist boot camp because that's actually what it was like. Yeah. Like those people you see in the park in the middle of the summer, like doing burpees, like a group of them. <laughs> Yeah, the, the people we see, because we're not those people. God, no. <laughs> we I watch them the, from behind a yeah, tree, like yeah. in Bridesmaids. I'm like eating ice cream and just walking yeah. by them. Like, congratulations on your commitment, I guess. I'm doing the same thing, but like in a, it takes a different... It takes a different form. Right. And then in the end, it's like <laughs> you were saying, like a complete fantasy that mm-hmm. people don't even realize that mm-hmm. you didn't just have 80 of these shipped out to every single store and yeah. installed identically. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that like really, the thing that really stuck with me when I was at Anthro was this power in materials mm. and how much they can be manipulated and how much they can be transformed. So, but it had an expiry date, like that job had an expiry date like anything else. And, uh, my Saturn return was coming up. <laughs> I'm in mine right now. <laughs> okay, we'll get, we'll get to that Yeah, later. it's the time. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I knew that, um, it was probably time for me to move on from there, but I didn't really know to what, because it was such a complete environment for the customer, but also for me and my identity. It, I was like, I don't really know where else I can go to from here. Hmm. Um... And I should be happy that, like, I've got this full-time job where I can make art all day and I get this fucking amazing discount and I have this, like, incredible oh. wardrobe, <laughs> feeling cute all the time. I have to wake up at five in the morning to start, but that's fine. But, um, yeah, I didn't really know what else to move on to, but I knew that I had learned enough about myself as an, as an artist that it was time for me to do my own thing. Hmm. And that I owed it to myself to at least try. Especially if I have always been, if I've always known that art was the only thing that ever made sense to me, I had to really do it in a way that fit that description. So I sort of thought to myself like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave to do my own thing, but I don't really know what that's going to be. And I love telling this story because it's really funny. (laughs) The genesis of this whole thing, of this whole paper flower thing, I have been following a few paper flower artists on Instagram previous to this moment of genesis, um, and I had always been just amazed by the work that I was seeing right. because the because it was really ticking all my boxes, like the power of transformation, like when it comes to materials, this way of like like trickery when it comes to the mm-hmm. mastery that comes from that material being like uh, like blown away that these were paper that these weren't you know that these weren't real flowers the use of color in them too the the style of photography it was it was amazing and it was something that really appealed to me because I was like this is so singular in its focus and I was producing so much work had such high creative output every two weeks a new project but it didn't really leave me time to like enjoy it even Mm -hmm. so um I would and you know we had had the chance to make paper flowers at anthro for different displays but they were never anything like what I was seeing online right only because we just didn't have the time now I knew that I could do it eventually but I would need so much time to be able to get to that point um so there was it was right close to the time that I knew that I was going to be leaving anthro 
and we were working on this um, concept that involved making a bunch of fake cheese out of, <laughs> <laughs> out of insulation foam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the pink sheets of insulation yeah. foam that you see at Home Depot. Yeah. We'd like sandwich them together and like uh, carve them and sand them down. It was basically like um, like prop making, really. Right. But like the 80s version of prop <laughs> making. So um, part of this, so we would we would do this concept and then we would always sort of add in layers like weeks and weeks after. So one of the layers that the home office wanted us to do was add a bunch of fruit. And so they had prototyped a couple different things. Like basically like anything that would be on a cheese board but like giant size <laughs> version of it. And I was like amazing. Really into it. Anything that was like supposed to look very realistic but had this sort of like weird twist to it I was always really into at Anthro like those were my favorite displays to do and anything that involved like flowers or fruit or birds or anything was I was always like yeah super that's like, basically your personal brand so. yeah I was like there's something here <laughs> for me fruit, flowers, <laughs> <and> birds. <laughs> basically just this weird environment made out of garbage like one year I had made this um like a lemon tree that had looked like it was growing through a table yeah and I spent weeks on this thing and <clears throat> I had been told like you're spending you're taking way too much time on this and I was like I don't care <laughs> this is gonna look like a gnarled ass 300 year old lemon tree by the time I'm done and then it'll last for a week and then I'll throw it in the garbage but I don't care <laughs> like it's gotta be good so, um, yeah, so we were making this cheese, and Home Office had prototyped a bunch of figs to make. And I think they had made them with, like, a fabric or something. And I remember, like, looking at the, the creative direction on the computer, and I was like, mm, I can do better than this. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, like, another lemon tree situation, where I was like, I'm going to take a ton of time <laughs> to work on the, like, smallest detail and I'm going to love it, and I'll be so thrilled about it. And that's all that matters, right? Right. <laughs> so I had, um, I had prototyped this, like, new version of fig in my art room at Anthro using just, like, a polymer modeling clay. And it was a moment of, like, 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 thunderstruck genius. Not to oversell it, but it was that moment of, of like, I think fully realizing what I was capable of, completely on Anthropology's dime. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to explore. And I think that's, like, a good employee should do that. I you think know? so, too. I'm sure the display looked absolutely incredible, <laughs> so they probably had no complaints. Well, so this was the thing. I was like, it was this, like, weird secret little project that I was working on. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm being a little irreverent here. Like, I was, I was fully aware of, you know, the timelines and the, the, ex the expectations of me. So, um, it's not like I was sure, like, shirking my other no. responsibilities. But anyway, I was so proud of these figs. Yeah. I, like, painted that they were so hyper-realistic. Yeah. And I had no idea, like, where it even came from. <laughs> just this, like, fig muse just, like, descended <laughs> on me. And she was like, what's up? Like, let's do this. <laughs> and I was so proud of these figs. I, like, like painted them. The center was just, I just made them it, it, with, like, hot glue. Because um, figs have that beautiful, like, yeah. like 
such a specific texture. Yeah. Um, it had like glazed over it with a like with an acrylic paint, mm. and like had had gone out and found um <clears throat> these like little bits of like older ivy stems, and had broken them up to use as like the stems for the the figs. And so, and then, like, had this, like, handful of them and, like, trotted around the store with it and, like, showed my manager and, like, pretty much everyone on staff that I was just, like, so, it's like a fig parade. It's like, <laughs> guys, check this out! And they were, like, they were, like, what's wrong with you? Like, not in this it's like, is there something else you should be doing? But, like, actually, how did you do this? Like, there's got to be something wrong with you. And I was, like, I love this question. And... I don't know how to answer it, <laughs> but it was, it was incredible. And that moment that like making that fig, I was like, this is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. Like I thought more, a little bit more about like what a fig means in like art history and the times that it's sort of appeared. And I just sort of thought more about like my own interests and the type of work that really makes me like feel something deep inside it was always like floral still life paintings yeah um so it just kind of all kind of drifted together and formed this idea and the that fig kind of was like the beginning so after that I I was just like well this is this is it like I, I was like this is the thing that I this is the thing I'm gonna work on now I knew I couldn't leave until I had a clear a clear idea in my mind or a clear direction in my mind of what, what, like, what work I was going to make next. And then it just came to me. Right. But then this is where I get so inspired by you because you have this idea. You're like, oh my gosh, this fig. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> I've seen your figs. And like, so, like, also, I know. I know. Who's ever said that? Like, <laughs> <well>, you. <laughs> but you have this idea. You're like, okay, this fig but somehow, no, it's actually flowers, which yeah. makes sense. I know, I, I, I can see what you're painting here. But then, you basically tell me about how you actually learned this complete art. Like, art and also, I would say, science mm -hmm. of the flowers that you make. Mm -hmm. Because to get from that point to the work that you're producing now, like, that's... That's the part that I just don't really understand. Like, did you teach yourself? Did you learn from these other women on Instagram? Like, how did you get there? I think there? It, was a, it, it was a combination of both of those things. So, paper flowers is really fascinating. Because it's still very new in a lot of ways. In this, Like, I think the forms that it's taking now is very new. But that also means that the resources that are available uh, for people to learn from are very limited. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much just, like, looking for artists who make the work that you want to make and hoping to God that they have, like, tutorials <laughs> <laughs> out there for you to follow or they've written a book or you can send them a DM on Instagram and they'll actually reply to you. Right. Um, so the beginning stages... So, so when I left Anthro, I knew the work that I wanted to make and I also knew that I couldn't just leave a full-time job to be a full-time artist. I needed just some supplementary income. So I said to myself, 
I want it to be something that will feed the work that I'm making. Mm -hmm. And I also don't want to have to print off a resume (laughs) because I've been working at this job for six years and I've had this huge amount of responsibility that is impossible to describe to someone. Mm -hmm. So I hope that nepotism will work in my favor. (laughs) (laughs) So I sent out some messages to people that I was just like, I either want a job that will require absolutely nothing from me or will be something that, like, it's a new skill that I can learn, but it will somehow feed back into this work that I want to make. So that's where floral design came in. So I messaged um, a friend of mine that I had gone to high school with, and she was working at a flower shop. She was a manager at a flower shop, and she, I said, are you guys hiring, like, all wash buckets, like, all work the cash? <laughs> I don't care. Like, I just, and then I sort of, like, unspooled this, like, long story for her, and and she said, well, do you want to be an apprentice? And I didn't even know that that was an option. Um, so it kind of just started from there. And the only reason why I think that I was able to be an apprentice was because I think that she knew that I could pick it up because mm-hmm. um, I had this like very demanding full-time creative job. So she wouldn't really have to worry necessarily about me being able to like pick up the actual skills um, it would just take a bit of t- lead time in terms of like, just like learning the mechanics and how to take care of flowers and stuff. And then I just fell in love with it, mm-hmm. like completely by accident. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I had this plan in my mind of like, I was like, I'll do this for a year mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it'll be a, it'll either be a great success and I can fully live off of it or nothing will have come from it and I'll quit and I'll find something else to do. And it didn't, I, here I am like four years later. Neither of those things have really happened yet. (laughs) But that doesn't matter. Um, So the idea of doing floral design was I was like, this way I can study flowers. Right. Very up close. Right. Because that's one of the things. When I took your workshop... And we're looking at, like, my beautiful flower in my house that I just love her so she's much. She's cute. She's really cute I and beautiful. I love her. Definitely the most beautiful thing I've ever made. <laughs> um, but when I took your workshop, the thing I was so impressed by more than anything was your deep, deep knowledge about flower structures. Mm-hmm. Like, the vascular system of a plant and why we're doing certain techniques in order to mimic the way that a flower would come out of a bud. Yeah. And we have to, like, mimic that because that's how petals are formed. Yeah. And just the idea of that and the amount of intricacy and thought that you put into your work is, like, just stunning and something that I think everybody could learn from no matter what type of work you do, whether Mm -hmm. or not you're an artist of a visual nature. Yeah. Um, It's incredible. So, yeah, so I just love that I think it's so smart that you put yourself in an environment where you could learn the kind of details that you needed in order to make your paperwork as hyper-realistic, as you said, yeah. as you wanted it to be. Because yeah. that seems like it's your mission, yes. is to like make it as real as possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. And one of my, my another paper flower artists who I'm very close with, uh, her name's Tiffany Turner, and I sort of have self-appointed her as my mentor. <laughs> I don't know if she knows that. <laughs> she does now. It's a one-sided relationship, maybe. <laughs> but her work is incredible, and she is someone who I really kind of got close with, even when I was still dis- like doing floral design. And um, I think it had more to do with like the style of floral design that I was kind of uncovering for myself and we both sort of connected through this idea of, like, being a little weird about things. (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, she is someone who talks a lot about the art of paper flowers and how many different approaches there are. Her work is very different than mine. She works mostly, like, very large scale. Hmm. Um, Realistic, but in a different way. Uh, And then she'll make... She will create smaller flowers, too. uh, And she wrote a book that just, like, blew my fucking mind. Hmm. And um, she's someone who focuses a lot on botany. And that was something, like, the, the study of, of botany was something that I had never really expected would inform my work so much. Right. But if you want to make something look alive, you have to know the things that give it life. And... <laughs> so it only makes sense. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think I could just record you for eight hours and just, like, just, like, everything that would come out of your mouth would be, like, this perfect angelic... I'm not not 100% convinced that you're not an angel from heaven. So, anyway, please go on. One day, imagine... You'll reveal yourself to be the sweet. I just, like, take my hair off and there's this, like, halo halo on me. Yeah, yeah. No one would be surprised. sprout out. (laughs) No one. Oh, God. Um... Where was I? If you want to oh, make right, something right, right, that right, looks right, realistic. Right, botany. Um, yeah, so Tiffany Turner has this, like, funny uh, way of describing things, where she's, she calls it Uncanny Valley, which is, yes, like... Yes, I've heard about this concept. Yeah, so this moment where... And that is actually something that, from my understanding, she kind of wants to stay away from that. She doesn't want things to be so real that you actually can't tell the difference. Well, I think it comes from um, robots. Mm-hmm. That original concept comes oh. from the come, robots. If it's like there's an uncanny valley, they talk about the distance between the robot looking like almost too close to human. Oh. And it's a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. So I feel like that maybe that's what she's getting at. I could see that. That actually makes sense now, knowing what I know about her. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's something that she kind of doesn't, she doesn't want to take a, a walk through uncanny valley. And to be honest, neither neither do I. That's not my only goal. I think that there's, like, a... I think that there's a mastery that can be shown when you can make something as simple as paper or clay look like it has life pulsing through it, but it then goes beyond that, you know? And the thing that fascinates me so much about paper flowers is... The connection that other people have to the flower Hmm. in a way that it's like they bring this whole story this whole like life history to it that I have no idea about so it's this like this idea just like slingshotting past someone in space and seeing them for a moment and then continuing I'm putting so much of my own attention to into creating the pieces that I'm making but it doesn't really come, al- it comes alive at two moments. The moment that, like, the the material starts behaving in the way that I want it to, and the moment that someone else sees it and identifies the flower as, as like, a part of their family. Or, like, a, a, mem- like a, a member of their memory that they didn't really realize until this moment. And it's something that's so powerful that happens even beyond just, like, seeing the flower in someone's garden or, like, 
having a photograph of it or something. This ability to, like, create it out of nothing, really. The most simple of materials. Right. The hours that go into it in order to really make it, like, really make it alive is what distinguishes it from from anything else. And that's, I think, where the mastery comes in as well. It's the sort of, like, this devotion to the to the life that it will have and really wanting to make sure that you can do it justice as much as as much as you're capable of doing yeah I don't know if that really answers your question it does I mean I don't it answers some question I didn't know I had I mean I think I remember we were having a dinner back in I want to say January and you I remember there was a a moment where you said every time I make a paper flower there's a moment when it comes to life in my mm-hmm. hands mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it turns from being like tissue paper and yeah. <laughs> glue yeah. and like some cuts in a paper and it turns into like a real life yeah. flower and like I'm giving, you know, I'm giving myself shivers even just saying it now. <laughs> but when you said it then I was like, what? It's, in, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But then we all at the retreat had that moment. Yeah. That was, flowers. that was amazing. There's 14 of us yeah. sitting around this table, yeah. and there's a moment where your flower suddenly... It, it becomes, becomes real. A flower. Yeah. And it's not in the sense that it becomes real in the way that, like, like in this, like, uncanny valley. No. It's, this is a different valley altogether. <laughs> this is a nice valley. I like this valley. <laughs> it's not a different planet. I don't even know what it's called, but it's... Yeah, it's incredible. And the thing about it is that, like... It doesn't come to life in the way that, like, a, like I don't know, that I would imagine a painting does, where it's not until it's done or until you put the glaze on it or something that you're, like, it, it springs it springs to attention and you're, like, oh, you see it. With paper flowers, it happens at a couple different times along the way, but there's always one distinct moment that it kind that, like, it all of a sudden isn't really about you anymore Mm. and the it just kind of takes over like the spirit of the of the thing that you're making just kind of takes over and that sounds like kind of like like a little new agey maybe i'm obsessed with it so it's fine but i don't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) because it's real (laughs) you've done enough of them if anyone would know that it's real it's you're right yeah yeah you're right Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then the flower kind of tells you what it wants to look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's interesting, too, is, like, having made my flower, I don't know that at the beginning I would have been able to say that's what the flower will look like at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and that's what's so interesting about this process of, like, deep study of the flowers themselves, and that's something that I'm realizing is actually changing in my own process, where for the last couple years, I spent so much time studying flowers. Like, I wouldn't... I wouldn't make anything unless I had a live model to work from. Hmm. And now I'm kind of at the point where I'm sensing that that's actually kind of holding me back. Hmm. Um, because it ends up being... I just feel like there's just too much detail that I'm seeing all at once. And the flower looks really stiff by the time I'm finished. So I think it's more about working from like an impression that I have of it. Not necessarily a live model. 
if I'm making something I've never made before or something that I don't get to look at very much, like a flower that, you know, isn't super common to be using like in the wedding industry or something that I just haven't, like a flower that I haven't touched like over and over again, um, I will spend some time to really like pull some, like pull some reference images and I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I do like have like a sketching process too. Um, and I'll spend a lot of time like with the material, kind of like applying color to it, applying different techniques to it. Um, but I'm noticing my process is changing, which I'm actually really excited about. Yeah, it is exciting. Because it means that like it's, there's still life there too, you know, mm -hmm. and it's something that is kind of, that, you know, I'm always scared that like things aren't going to evolve or like I'll get sick of something, you know, or I'll be like, okay, well I know how to do this and what like, what does that mean? And at Anthro, it meant, like, well, there's a new project for you to be doing, so you can just move on. But now, if it's completely self-directed, I, like, I think for, like, there's a, there's, sometimes there's this, like, tiny, tiny bit of fear that's, like, where is this, where are you actually going to be able to take this? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, it can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, I'm really excited about this kind of shift in approach, yeah. Um, and that I think it also means that I trust myself more and that I don't really feel like I'm as beholden to the model in front of me mm -hmm. that I can sort of work from the impression that I have in my mind and right. in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that's so interesting as you're speaking is um, just this idea that your expertise and the knowledge that you've gained about the flowers, the things that you're working with, it seems like that's allowing you to actually see it more. Yeah. See more in what other people might just see as a flower. Mm -hmm. You're able to see nuances and like the ways the light hits in, mm -hmm. the vascular structure as yeah. we talked about. <clears throat> and it's, it's, I think I want to talk about that piece and like yeah. how that sort of trained your eye to be able to notice more things. Mm -hmm. But then it's so interesting that you're saying that it's almost impeding your work now because yeah. you see too much. I see too much. Well, and I'm not a botanist. I'm not out here making paper flowers so, so that like I can get this weird like roundabout botany degree. <laughs> I don't even know. No, you're making like beautiful pieces of art. Yeah, it's different. Like... If I really want to know the, like, cellular structure of the flower, or, like, if I want to know the anatomy, I can just look that up. And the anatomy is kind of, like, it kind of all has similar terms across many different flowers. Right. So, there's only so much to really know. There's only so much that you need to know. It's more, so, because really it's just, you're just trying to figure out the structure of the thing, like, how it actually fits together. Mm -hmm. Um... But then you have to go further than that. And I think that knowing that information is really helpful from <clears throat> a materials perspective. And I, and I explained this during our, um, during the workshop at the nurture retreat, the reason why I choose to use crepe paper is because the texture of it mimics the vascular structure of petals and leaves. That's why I like to use it. I know that other paper flower artists love to use it because it has a, like an ability that you can stretch it and you can cup it and you can really form the paper in a way that you can't with just cardstock or something. Well, I mean you can, but it has a different 
there's something that's, like, much more kinetic about it, I think. Yeah. Um, but for me, that's the reason why I use it. And when I do use crepe paper, I really manipulate it. Like, I mm-hmm. don't... Mm-hmm. Oh, we stretched it, like, <laughs> feet. Yeah. It's, like, this tiny 10-inch piece. We're like, all right, it's gonna be two feet long. And it's really fun. Yeah. Like, there's something that's... And that's... I think that that is, like such a cool moment to witness too that it's such a simple act but it transforms the paper so much and that's something that I learned from other paper flower artists Mm -hmm. like from Tiffany like this act of like really stretching the paper because when I first started using it I didn't even know where to buy crepe paper from (laughs) um and so there was something about like being able to use the knowledge that other artists had kind of explored and were generous enough to kind of share that kind of helps, that kind of helps you, it's like going to school, Yeah. you know, you don't have to figure it out on your own, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, and then it kind of opens, it opens the, the creative practice up even more to different types of materials, mm-hmm. so, yeah, crepe paper's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like, the, the last thing I kind of want to ask you, and I'm sure that the answer to this very leading question is yes, <laughs> but I'm just like, how can you tell us more about it? Because how does your work with paper flowers influence the way you see the world? Mm, does it I change the question. way you notice things? It does. Well, when I started being a, when I, when I first started learning how to be a florist, it, it kind of, it kind of, cre- that kind of crept up on me and I hadn't really anticipated that being kind of a a byproduct of learning this new trade but you know I had always been someone who loved like being out in the world (laughs) not from like a social perspective but like (laughs) (laughs) but like being like walking through beautiful neighborhoods with like beautiful gardens and like like my dad used to take us on like nature walks when we were little kids Um, so I've always loved, like, feeling like there was life around me in that way. Um, but, and so I knew it was always, like, a, something, it gave me something, but it wasn't until I started learning how to, like, learning floral design and actually learning the names of flowers, my vision kind of cleared, Mm -hmm. and I could, I knew what was around me. I could identify, like, anything growing in someone's garden. And there was so much power in that knowledge because I felt like I just, I could finally see. And that kind of just kind of busted the gates open and made me wonder like how much more is there to see Mm. and how essential that, uh, that gift of sight was in my own, my own work. So, and it's funny now because it's kind of like, Flowers now feel like they're, uh, like a, a friend I've had for a long time, someone you know really, really well, who you, you sort of know everything about them, um, but they still manage to surprise you, but not in a bad way, <laughs> or not in a way that is, like, destabilizing to the relationship. <laughs> um, yeah, our friend Mel calls it having a plant ally. She loves, like, sort of 
all these plants and and one will choose her mm-hmm. for a particular length of time and she'll see it everywhere and it will influence her and the smell will be mm-hmm. giving her something. I love that. I just love it. Yeah. I just love it because I've never thought about that before mm-hmm. in my whole life. Yeah. I love nature, but I've never thought about a particular plant, a particular flower. Yeah. And so I just love what you're saying. I mean, it's just so powerful. Like you learned what pl- what flowers were called and that sh- changed your vision. It changed everything for me. And then that leads you to question, what else don't I know about? Yeah. And if I did know about it, I would see the world differently. We get, I mean, we know, we get to know people in the exact same way. Right. People and, surprise us. I mean, that's just that that's what happens when you get to know someone or like that's how, you know, that's, that's just the act of humanizing is going from mm. like a stranger on the subway who's sitting on your bag (laughs) (laughs) or you know someone who's walking really slowly in front of you or whatever and it happens on instagram too it happens on the internet where you sort of forget that it's like actual real humans yeah because you're just overexposed there's just they're like there's people around you everywhere it's too much volume how can you know them all yeah so it's just this act of humanizing is really just what's happening with flowers. Seeing them as like, not seeing them as people, but seeing them as people. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It was actually really interesting too, like, let, like you know, learning the names of flowers and like really, really seeing them was one thing. But like once I got even like nerdier about it and started looking into like weeds And, like, things that just kind of grow everywhere and even being able to, like, identify those things. Like, seeing a friendly face in the crowd sort of thing. (laughs) That was even more fascinating. Where I really was, like, I can point to almost anything and tell you what it is. And that's amazing. Because it was just this complete, like, this journey that was, like, totally self-guided. Just out of, like, a pure, like, thirst for knowledge. And just being, and, like, chasing it down. You know, and seeing and like seeing what else it can lead to. Following that curiosity. Yeah, exactly. And it was it and it came from like a very practical reason in the beginning, but now it feels like so essential to how I make my way through the world. You're so beautiful. <laughs> you are. You are. <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much for talking. Did I answer your questions? You answered all of my questions and more. <laughs> I just think you're such an inspiration and such a light, and I'm so happy to know you. Oh my god. I feel really happy that you agreed to talk to me on this podcast and that everyone else can benefit from your I mean, you know incredible me. wisdom. The funny thing, it's funny that you say that because I realized this last summer, I only, I only want to hang out with people who pay attention to flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> I'm screwed. <laughs> so let that be a warning. No. <laughs> let it be known. Like I'm like, oh, gotta go, gotta go, like look up some flowers. Now. Like I just like I was wa- like I was walking down the street in the summer with like one of my very close like florist friends and a friend of hers. And every two steps I was just like, Oh my god, look at this Rebecca. Like, oh my god, look at this really cute hydrangea bush. Like look at that morning glory. Like we're like every two steps cause we were in a neighborhood and her friend was filled with irritation. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, let's get a move on people. And, and we were just like, like just moseying along. 
Yeah. So, yeah. If I can... I, all, all I care about is flowers. That's not true. But, like, it's a, a large percentage of what I think about every day. So, if someone is like, do you want to talk about this? No holds barred. Obviously, I'm going to say yes. And then if it's with my beautiful friend, Stephanie Pellet, <laughs> then that's a double yes. Double yes. Thank you. It's a this yes all wonderful. Around. Oh, I'm so glad. I love you so much. I love you too. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Life in Limbo podcast. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at Steph Pellet on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at lifeinlimbo.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.